This is day 138 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Isaiah chapters 7 through 11. Lord God, thank you for revealing your Son to us in such a time where we needed him most. We thank you for what he did. We thank you for the significance of his birth, the prophecies about him, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and how he is enthroned on high right now. We thank you, Lord, for bringing him into the world to save us. We could not save ourselves without your input in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us into a better place, into your kingdom. May we give everything to you in return. Please bless the reading of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying, The Aramaeans have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Shear Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool, on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take care and be calm. Have no fear, and do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands on account of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Because Aram, with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah, have planned evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrorize it, and make for ourselves a breach in its walls, and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Now within another sixty-five years, Ephraim will be shattered, so that it is no longer a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you will not believe, you surely shall not last. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. The Lord will bring on you 
on your people and on your father's house such days as have never come since the day that Ephraim separated from Judah, the king of Assyria. In that day, the Lord will whistle for the fly that is in the remotest parts of the rivers of Egypt, and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. They will all come and settle on the steep ravines, on the ledges of the cliffs, on all the thorn bushes, and on all the watering places. In that day, the Lord will shave with a razor, hired from regions beyond the Euphrates, that is, with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the legs, and it will also remove the beard. Now in that day, a man may keep alive a heifer and a pair of sheep, and because of the abundance of milk produced, he will eat curds. For everyone that is left within the land will eat curds and honey. And it will come about in that day that every place where there used to be a thousand vines, valued at a thousand shekels of silver, will become briars and thorns. People will come there with bows and arrows, because all the land will be briars and thorns. As for all the hills which used to be cultivated with the hoe, you will no longer go there for fear of briars and thorns but they will become a place for pasturing oxen and for sheep to trample. Then the Lord said to me, Take for yourself a large tablet and write on it in ordinary letters. Swift is the booty, speedy is the prey. And I will take to myself faithful witnesses for testimony, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberechiah. So I approached the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said to me, Name him Maher Shalal Hashbaz. For before the boy knows how to cry out, My father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Again, the Lord spoke to me further saying, Inasmuch as these people have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloah, and rejoiced in Rezin, and the son of Remaliah, now therefore, behold, the Lord is about to bring on them the strong and abundant waters of the Euphrates, even the king of Assyria in all his glory. And it will rise up over all its channels, and go over all its banks. Then it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass through. It will reach even to the neck. And the spread of its wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered. And give ear, all remote places of the earth. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Devise a plan but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand, for God is with us. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power, and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say it is a conspiracy. In regard to all that this people call a conspiracy, 
and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both the houses of Israel a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them, then they will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, who dwells on Mount Zion. When they say to you, Consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their god as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth, and behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious. By the way of the sea, on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence, as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult, and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness, from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The Lord sends a message against Jacob, and it falls on Israel, and all the people know it, that is, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, asserting in pride, and an arrogance of heart. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with smooth stones. 
The sycamores have been cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Therefore the Lord raises against them adversaries from resin, and spurs their enemies on, the Aramaeans on the east, and the Philistines on the west, and they devour Israel with gaping jaws. In spite of all this, his anger does not turn away, and his hand is still stretched out. Yet the people do not turn back to him who struck them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. So the Lord cuts off head and tail from Israel, both palm branch and bulrush in a single day. The head is the elder and honorable man, and the prophet who teaches falsehood is the tail. For those who guide this people are leading them astray, and those who are guided by them are brought to confusion. Therefore the Lord does not take pleasure in their young men, nor does he have pity on their orphans or their widows. For every one of them is godless and an evildoer, and every mouth is speaking foolishness. In spite of all this, his anger does not turn away, and his hand is still stretched out. For wickedness burns like a fire. It consumes briars and thorns. It even sets the thickets of the forest aflame, and they roll upward in a column of smoke. By the fury of the Lord of hosts, the land is burned up, and the people are like fuel for the fire. No man spares his brother. They slice off what is on the right hand, but still are hungry. And they eat what is on the left hand, but they are not satisfied. Each of them eats the flesh of his own arm. Manasseh devours Ephraim, and Ephraim Manasseh, and together they are against Judah. In spite of all this, his anger does not turn away, and his hand is still stretched out. Woe to those who enact evil statutes, and to those who constantly record unjust decisions, so as to deprive the needy of justice and rob the poor of my people of their rights, so that widows may be their spoil and that they may plunder the orphans. Now what will you do in the day of punishment and in the devastation which will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help? And where will you leave your wealth? Nothing remains but to crouch among the captives or fall among the slain. In spite of all this, his anger does not turn away, and his hand is still stretched out. Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. I send it against a godless nation and commission it against the people of my fury, to capture booty and to seize plunder, and to trample them down like mud in the streets. Yet it does not so intend, nor does it plan so in its heart, but rather it is its purpose to destroy and to cut off many nations. For it says, Are not my princes all kings? Is not Kalno like Carchemish? or Hamath like Arpad, or Samaria like Damascus? As my hand 
has reached to the kingdoms of the idols, whose graven images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her images, just as I have done to Samaria and her idols? So it will be that when the Lord has completed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the pomp of his haughtiness. For he has said, By the power of my hand and by my wisdom I did this, for I have understanding, and I removed the boundaries of the peoples and plundered their treasures. And like a mighty man I brought down their inhabitants, and my hand reached to the riches of the peoples like a nest. And as one gathers abandoned eggs, I gathered all the earth. And there was not one that flapped its wing or opened its beak or chirped. Is the axe to boast itself over the one who chops with it? Is the saw to exalt itself over the one who wields it? That would be like a club wielding those who lift it or like a rod lifting him who is not wood. Therefore, the Lord, the God of hosts, will send a wasting disease among his stout warriors, and under his glory a fire will be kindled like a burning flame, and the light of Israel will become a fire, and his Holy One a flame, and it will burn and devour his thorns and his briars in a single day. And he will destroy the glory of his forest and of his fruitful garden, both soul and body. And it will be as when a sick man wastes away. And the rest of the trees of his forest will be so small in number that a child could write them down. Now in that day, the remnant of Israel and those of the house of Jacob who have escaped will never again rely on the one who struck them but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. For though your people, O Israel, may be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant within them will return. A destruction is determined, overflowing with righteousness. For a complete destruction, one that is decreed, the Lord God of hosts will execute in the midst of the whole land. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not fear the Assyrian who strikes you with the rod and lifts up his staff against you, the way Egypt did. For in a very little while, my indignation against you will be spent, and my anger will be directed to their destruction. The Lord of hosts will arouse a scourge against him like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb, and his staff will be over the sea, and he will lift it up the way he did in Egypt. So it will be in that day that his burden will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be broken because of fatness. He has come against Ayath. He has passed through Migron. At Michmash, he deposited his baggage. 
they have gone through the pass, saying, Geba will be our lodging place. Brahma is terrified, and Gibeah of Saul has fled away. Cry aloud with your voice, O daughter of Galim. Pay attention, Lesha and wretched Anathoth. Madmana has fled. The inhabitants of Gebim have sought refuge. Yet today he will halt at Nob. He shakes his fist at the mountain of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. Behold, the Lord, the God of hosts, will lop off the bows with a terrible crash. Those also who are tall in stature will be cut down, and those who are lofty will be abased. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an iron axe, and Lebanon will fall by the mighty one. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor, and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then in that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples and his resting place will be glorious. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people who will remain, from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he will lift up a standard for the nations, and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Then the jealousy of Ephraim will depart, and those who harass Judah will be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of the Philistines on the west. Together they will plunder the sons of the east. They will possess Edom and Moab, and the sons of Ammon will be subject to them. 
and the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt. And he will wave his hand over the river with his scorching wind. And he will strike it into seven streams, and make men walk over dryshod. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant of his people who will be left, just as there was for Israel in the day that they came up out of the land of Egypt. So for today's reading, I'm going to keep it fairly short when it comes to what we're going to review, but besides maybe a couple of places that I thought were interesting, my main focus today is going to go through all the times that Christ was prophesied in these chapters. Most of them are easy to identify, but there are some that we need to pay more attention to. So beginning in chapter 7, we look down past verse 10. The Lord spoke again to Ahaz, and he said, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. And Ahaz said, No, I'm not going to test the Lord. And God responds to him saying, You test my patience all the time. What are you talking about? So I'm going to give you a sign. The Lord himself will have a virgin be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Now obviously Jesus' name is not Emmanuel, literally, but the word Emmanuel means God with us. And that's exactly what Jesus was. He was God with his people. It mentions that he will eat curds and honey. I don't know if I recall ever seeing Jesus eat curds and honey when he walked the earth. The people of Isaiah's day understood what curds and honey meant, that that was the diet of someone who was nomadic, someone who wandered around, traveled from place to place, sojourning in different places. And we know that about Jesus. Not only during his ministry did he travel all the time and never stayed in one spot, but if you recall, when he was a child, he was warned by the angel Gabriel through his earthly father Joseph that they had to flee to Egypt for a season. And then the angel told Joseph that they could go back. So in that way, too, that's how the curds and honey fit in here, that not only was he someone who wandered around during his ministry, but also in his youth, he also had to do it. I also forgot to mention as well that Isaiah has a son here in verse 3, and his name is Shear Jashub. The translation for Shear Jashub is, A remnant will return. So we already know that what's going to happen here soon, and he's going to talk about it in greater detail. But through the name of his son, he is also prophesying that a remnant will return to Israel after exile, which we know that they have. When we come to chapter 8, then it says that he's supposed to take a large tablet and write in ordinary letters this little phrase, Swift is the booty, speedy is the prey. Another way of saying this would be easy pickings, easy prey, or quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil, something like that. But overall, that's what the name of his second son is, that really strange one, 
Maher Shalal Hashbaz. The significance of this is that he says that before the, the boy could even speak, that Damascus and Samaria are going to be conquered by Assyria. And historians estimate this to be about two or three years after this prophecy was done. So this was very accurate, as it always will be. It's God. Of course, he's going to be right. But this child was only about two years old when this happened. We don't really know what happened to him. But it's just, it's so interesting how the Bible says things sometimes and how polite he can be. Like it says in verse 3, he had relations with a prophetess and gave birth to a son. But how it describes it in my Bible, I approached the prophetess. (laughs) I just walked up to her and boom, she got pregnant. I mean, that's what it makes it seem like. I just like the way that it's described. It's just so peaceful. So apparently this woman is a second wife to him because perhaps his first wife had already died, but we don't really know that for a fact. This section is a pretty important piece of scripture here. Verse 19. When they say to you, Consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter. Should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living, to the law and the testimony? So you see God say, why do people trust in things that are so vain? Why do they trust in dead things? They need to trust in me, the living God. But he explains why. If you read the rest of verse 20, it says, If they do not speak according to this word, which is the word of God, it is because they have no dawn. It's a very interesting way to say it. But the best way this can be translated is they have not received the light of salvation. So these people don't understand the Bible and what God is trying to tell them because they don't have his wisdom. They don't have the Holy Spirit within them to help them be convicted and to discern this truth. Just like it says in the New Testament, the things of God are foolishness to those who don't believe. So, of course, it's not going to make sense. The cross is the ultimate foolishness in the world for those who don't believe. We, as Christians, have the dawn because the light of Christ is in us. That separates us from the world. Going into chapter 9, we see more prophecies about this coming child. Verse 6, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Why? Because he's going to be king of kings, lord of lords. All the governments are going to be on his shoulders. He's going to carry all their burdens. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This means that because he's wonderful, meaning he's a supernatural counselor, that he is going to have supernatural wisdom. He's going to have perfect wisdom, in fact. What kind of a counselor do you seek out? You seek someone who's wise. How do you describe God? He is all wise. He is 
omniscient. So that's what Wonderful Counselor can be described as, his omniscience. Mighty God, his omnipotence, his eternal, infinite power. Eternal Father, his omnipresence. He is eternal. He never ends, he never begins. And then Prince of Peace. He is the full sense of wholeness and peace in the universe. And the only way we can know this peace is by knowing him. So what it's describing here is that the Messiah is God himself. So those people that say that Jesus was a created being or that Jesus was something less than God obviously has not read Isaiah. Because it says clearly here that the Messiah, the Son of God, is God himself. There can only be one God who is omnipresent and omniscient, and that is the one true God. Verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, because when he returns the second time, he's going to put all things into subjection under his feet. And he will be from the line of David, from the throne of David. And he'll be over that kingdom forever. He is biologically from the line of David. If you track the genealogies in the New Testament, there is actually two different ones mentioned. The one in Matthew is his Jewish heritage. And that is the genealogy of his earthly father, Joseph. But there's another genealogy in Luke. And Luke illustrates Mary's genealogy. And biologically, both Joseph and Mary come from the line of David. So, yes, quite literally, he is from the line of David, from both parents. Very interesting. So I know that if you're reading this, it can be a little confusing how sometimes Isaiah jumps from the Messiah to a future event to Assyria conquering Samaria soon, and eventually Judah will also be conquered by Babylon. And he jumps around a little bit, so sometimes it's hard to keep track of what he's talking about. Have you also noticed that there are several verses that say the same thing? That all these things have been declared that they're going to happen. All these things are declared that these people are not doing, or that they are doing, and it's wrong. And then he says, In spite of all this, his anger does not turn away, and his hand is still stretched out. It says that several times after other descriptions. It's very interesting how it does that, because he gets progressively worse, and yet they still don't respond. It's so strange how the intensity has been increasing on these people who are sinning, and yet they still can't get through their thick skulls. This is why it's happening. It's, it's fascinating. But yet we can't really say we're any better, because we do it too. We also disregard the Lord way too often. In chapter 10, beginning in verse 12, God is declaring how much he does not like proud people. And in particular, he is pointing out the king of Assyria as being extremely arrogant. 
like he says in verse 13, for he has said these things, and he mentions nine different times that this king exalts himself by the power of my hand and by my wisdom I did this, for I have understanding and I removed the boundaries of the peoples. And so he goes on and on and on. He doesn't realize that God has been moving him this whole time, and he thinks it was all him. He's taking all the credit. He's taking all the glory for himself, and God is going to shut him down. He is going to put him in his place. He does not like proud people. Pride should be far away from us. Moving on to chapter 11, we see another prophecy of Jesus here, beginning in verse 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And then it describes the Holy Spirit indwelling in him. Remember, he got baptized, and when he got baptized, Jesus received the Holy Spirit within him. All three members of the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity, were present when Jesus was baptized. The Son, obviously, was the one receiving the baptism. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and the Father said with a loud voice, This is my Son, whom I am well pleased. And it goes into great detail here. Verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And so it describes not only the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, but also what Jesus demonstrated during his life. But really, we can also point to ourselves as well, that when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we also inherit these abilities and these talents as well. Strength, counsel, wisdom, understanding, Delighting in the fear of the Lord, not judging what the eyes see, nor making decisions by what the ears hear, doing what is right for the poor and the afflicted. All these different aspects of our Christian walk are all a result of the Holy Spirit, leading our lives, teaching us, compelling us. The Holy Spirit is the one who's done it all. Now, when The Messiah returns, when Jesus returns, verse 6 through 9 describes a picturesque world. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. Wait a minute. Why are the predators sitting down with the prey? Why does it say that the lion will eat straw like an ox, and the bear and the cows will graze together? Why is it that a nursing child will play by the hole of a cobra? Or a weaned child putting his hand in a viper's den and they'll never get hurt? It's because this is the new creation. There is no more death. There is no more evil. There is no more influence that will cause his creation to fail. That is the world we have to look forward to. A world where everything we do will produce something. And it won't be a waste. No one will fight anymore. 
Even lions will go back to being vegetarians, just like they were in the Garden of Eden. In fact, one could extrapolate from the Old Testament, you know, the creation up into Noah, that animals did not ever eat other animals until after the ark. Very interesting. But yes, everyone was born a vegetarian in God's world. Because you may eat of all the fruits, all the trees. But it doesn't say eat all the meat. Because you have to murder something in order to eat it. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be vegetarians. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I'm just telling you what the Bible is seeming to indicate. That in the beginning, we were vegetarians. And then verse 10, it will show that in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. If you haven't read the description of what the new Jerusalem is going to be like, you need to read it in the book of Revelation. It is fascinating to read. Now, from what I could tell, those were the main ones. There are plenty more in the chapters to come, and we'll certainly review and analyze those as we get to them. But for now, that's all I have. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.